You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil, and today is our special Star Trek trivia tournament. Uh, You may have uh, listened to our other tournaments for The Office and Disney uh, and some others, but today we're very excited to do a Star Trek episode, and I'm joined with Jeff today. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing great. How are you, Neil? I'm doing well. Um, As the listeners know, you're a huge Office fan. You have a a very deep knowledge when it comes to The Office. How are you on Star Trek trivia? Um, I'm going to say I'm not great at it because I haven't seen a lot of the series. Um, I have seen the original series. I'm a huge fan. Um, I've seen the the newer movies, but that's not a lot of the Star Trek canon. So I'm going to say I'm not a huge Star Trek fan, but I do enjoy um, what I've seen thus far. So yeah, I'm right there with you. I I don't know uh, a lot about it. Um, I do enjoy it. Um, There's a a quick story. Um, My biggest uh, sort of connection with Star Trek um, I had a uh, LaForge uh, figurine, 12 uh, inch figurine that I used to have all the time. I actually just sold at a garage sale not too long ago. But my favorite story is um, I used to watch uh, it on TV a little bit. And we had our first Target open uh, in our town, uh, which is a huge deal because no one had a Target around here. And I remember going with my dad and my brother uh, in this beat up uh, station wagon that my dad had for work uh, for a little while. And uh, we went to Target. They had a fireworks show to celebrate the grand opening. And when we went inside, my dad said, you can each uh, buy one toy to sort of celebrate the opening of Target. And uh, being the the filmmaker that I am, I loved the makeup of Quark and they had a Quark figurine. And I was like, oh, that's like the coolest thing ever. So that, that was what I bought was a Quark figure. Um, and then the fireworks happened. We were sitting on top of the station wagon and they put the fireworks too close on the roof of the target and all the ash started smacking everyone's car and hitting people and everyone just bolted away and and drove away really fast so um yeah it definitely turned into a a crazy night but uh i won't forget it because it was attached with star trek so um but uh with jeff uh being a, a, a decent sized fan and me a little bit uh we needed to bring in someone who was an expert someone who could help guide us and uh, write these questions for our special competitors we'll introduce in a minute. And uh, we're happy to bring on the show uh, our friend Matt Kirk. How's it going, Matt? Super nerd reporting for duty. I'm great. (laughs) How are you guys? Doing great. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your uh, Star Trek fandom, and and anything else you'd like to tell us? 
Well, growing up with the last name of Kirk, it was pretty hard to ignore all the Star Trek stuff going around me. Uh, thankfully, I grew not to resent it, but to appreciate it. Um, grew up with Next Generation and uh, watched all the series since then. So uh, have pretty much made it, I don't want to say a cornerstone of my life, but it's it's been it's been pretty prominent in uh, most dealings I've had, uh, just, you know, general morality and um, making sure that uh, diversity is important in my life. So, yeah, just uh, generally big fan, love all the shows. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm an apologist for some of the recent shows. I appreciate them for what they are, but there's definitely been a lot of uh, diversity recently in, in the Star Trek shows. That's great. And um, today's game is spanning films, TV, all of that stuff? It's everything. Anything that's got the name Star Trek on it is fair game. And I told everybody that before we started. So y'all better y'all better bring it because <laughs> I sure did. Well, uh, speaking of the uh, competitors who are going to hear those questions, let's introduce all of them. Uh, we're joined today by Andrew, Chaz, and John. Let's start with Andrew. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? And for everyone today, uh, let us know what Star Trek character you would want joining you uh, in lockdown in quarantine. Hey, Neil. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Of course. Hey, Matt. Thanks for putting this together. Uh, I'm Andrew. I live in uh, Durham, North Carolina. Uh, I grew up in Toronto, Canada. Uh, I've been a fan of Star Trek ever since I was six years old. Next Generation came on the air, and uh, somehow the uh, shakiness of the show didn't shake me off at the beginning, because I guess six-year-olds are easy to impress. Uh, what's Which Star Trek character would I want to spend uh, in, in lockdown with? I think my initial answer was was going to be Chief O'Brien, because I think he's got a lot of stories to tell and wouldn't be all you know up in airs about his career. He just kind of like knows a lot of cool people. Um, I think if I was going to have uh, some time with any real life person, I'd try and lock down LeVar Burton for a little bit of time because he's seen a lot and would be an excellent guy to talk to about many things. And since you said Star Wars a couple of times during the preamble, um, I think any Star Wars character I want to hang out with, it would probably be uh, Cara Dune from Mandalorian because it looks like she's also seen some stuff in her time and, you know, is pretty awesome. All, all very good answers, uh, and the cat is out of the bag. My, my tongue slipped uh, a little bit before the recording, um, but it's okay because uh, everyone on Star Trek, it seems to me, uh, enjoys each other's company, so I, I hopefully will be forgiven and not thrown out of the uh, the ship. Uh, so let's, uh, let's move on to Chaz. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. You were on a previous uh, trivia episode, trivia tournament, but uh, this one you said you were most passionate about. Yeah, I, I've been I grew up a fan of Star Trek from I still remember watching with my dad when I was a kid. Uh, we'd watch the the next gen when it came on. And then we were watching old episodes of the original series on the you know, when it was in syndication. And um, oh, man, just forever and forever. I loved it. And I never really grew out of it. I kind of thought I might, but never really happened. So, um, yeah, I, I love Star Trek. I love everything about it. In fact, somebody asked me the other day. Well, if I could live in any fictional TV series, where would it be? And it was Star Trek, hands down. Come on. How are you going to turn that down? Beautiful utopian future. Um, but no, if I could, let's see, if I would spend in, a, in a quarantine with any Star, with any Star Trek character, I'm going to go with Dr. Phlox because that guy is crazy. Plus, he comes with his own animals. So, you know, you get the bats flying around. Um, I think there's an eel in there somewhere. It's great, you know, or uh, possibly Patrick Stewart because Patrick Stewart, just the man, on. Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah. He's amazing. Yes. He's, he's amazing. There's, there's, 
there's nothing else to say about him, really. The man who never ages. Uh, well, well, thank you for joining us, Chaz. And our final competitor today is John. How are you, John? Tell us a little bit about yourself. I've been a Star Trek, yep, Star Trek fan. I almost had the same slip up there. I've been a Star <laughs> Trek fan for a while. I've, um, I grew up with Next Generation. I watched heavily from Next Generation to about Voyager, and then um, I kind of had a flashback with him, flash forward, and then out between movies and um, the original series and uh, future incarnations of uh, Star Trek, but it's been a long time, fans. It's been a part of me. I keep telling my wife, I'm like, look, honey, my first tattoo, I need the Star Trek insignia on my chest, but uh, I keep wussing out of it. <laughs> well, maybe uh, maybe if you pull victorious in this tournament, maybe that'll be the uh, impetus for you to go get that tattoo. <laughs> it, it may. It very well may. <laughs> That'll be a good deal you can make with your wife. Uh, well, we appreciate all of you joining us uh, today. We're really excited to see you in competition. Um, and before we get started, let me throw it to Jeff. Uh, if, if you haven't listened to these episodes before, Jeff can explain sort of uh, what the competitors are, are uh, uh, having in store today. Yep, so it's going to be pretty straightforward. It's just going to be 15 questions. Each of our competitors will have to answer. The winner of this is going to move on to a final round against our competitor from the episode two of this series. So um, three competitors this week, three next week. Uh, the best two will move on to the final, and we'll find out who is the ultimate Star Trek fan. Sorry, didn't we say there was going to be a wild card from... And that Everybody is the and that is the surprise uh, uh, Ric ah, Flair coming in with the chair. Sorry. No, no, that was good. I'm glad that you said that. So uh, Matt is correct. So if you do not uh, uh, get victorious in this episode, but you have the highest score between the first two episodes, you will be the wild card um, entrant into the final. So um, don't be discouraged if you're not the winner, but try to get as many points as possible because that can help you in the long run. Um, all right. Well, Matt, we are uh, we are patiently in the wings here watching you uh do your thing um since you are the expert so we will keep score and, and help uh keep things flowing but uh feel free to take the keys and, and run with it and let's get this thing started all right here we go good luck to everybody and here we go with question number one how many different trill hosts have been joined with the dax symbiont this does not include dax's abduction by varad and it does not include the alternate future yedrin dax we're talking about the main main core long-term joining with the dax symbiont we're just looking for the number of hosts okay we got three lock-ins uh let's start with andrew uh, I believe as of Esri, there were eight Dax hosts. Okay, let's go to Chaz. I locked in with seven. I can only come up with seven in my head, so. Okay, and John. Uh, I honestly didn't know. I put five. Okay, well, uh, we I think we had the closest guess with eight. There have actually been nine, nine Dax hosts, so no points on that one. And those were not portrayed by Dax Shepard, is that correct? <laughs> no okay can, can, can you name them because i could have sworn it was eight that might be a tiebreaker question later so we'll have to save that no oh, there you go all right ah. all right question number two what holographic hero was often played by tom paris i got i can see it in my head with the spider with the the spider woman thing and the black and white Oh my God! What is the name? Him and Harry Kim, bopping around that hollow suite. You know what? It's not going to come to me, so I'm just going to have to. I'm going to have to bow out of this one gracefully. All right. So Chaz is going to tap. So we'll go to Andrew for his answer. Uh, Tom Paris played that uh, Flash Gordon-esque hero, Captain Proton. Okay, and John. 
oh, I want to stab myself. <laughs> I, 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 I had nothing, so I put uh, Sherlock Holmes. But, oh, right. my God, I can't believe I didn't know that. All right, we finally got some points on the board. It is indeed Captain Proton. Well done. Matt, by the way, you are entirely correct. There were nine Dax hosts in the main I, run. I, I know I was right. <laughs> I looked it up. <laughs> I, I, dro- I dropped one. I apologize. <laughs> uh, yeah, Captain Proton. I, I love that whole series. And Arachnia, Queen of the Spider People. She was great. And, and uh, that's one of the roles that uh, uh, Kate Mulgrew actually said she would she would come back and play again if she had a chance to for uh, for Star Trek. So yeah, she looked like she so. had a blast playing. Oh, it's just that. chewing up the scenery left and right. It was great. <sighs> okay, let's move on to question number three. What does the designation NMINLN stand for as seen in Lieutenant Commander Data's personnel file? I'm locked in. I'm locked in with some hot garbage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we can we smell something. It could be garbage. It could be popcorn. We're not sure. But let's start with Andrew. What, what did you have? Well, I think it's because Data is a mononym like Cher that uh, NMINLN stands for no middle initial, no last name. Okay, let's go to Chaz. That would make a lot of sense because uh, I, I, I put uh, a whole bunch of stuff here. Neuromechanical interface, non-living, and know-it-all spelled wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and hey, John. that technobabble is right at home. <laughs> what, what did you have, John? Uh, I put Noonian. My intelligence needs lithium nachos. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay well this was a uh, a reference to the fact that data does only have uh one name so this does stand for no middle initial no last name and that's actually the same kind of uh designation that you would see on uh, missing persons files if they only had like the first name of somebody they they just don't have it defined yet oh wow yeah it is it is it is a real world application so if you ever see that that's what that means. And if anyone uh, needs to get John a gift, uh, just get him some of those lithium nachos and he'll be happy, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great trivia team name, lithium nachos. Okay. Well, let's go on to question four. I don't think I did this on purpose, but in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, what real-life facility near California's Bay Area was used as the filming location for the fictional Cetacean Institute? Sure, what the hell, I'll lock in. Okay, all right, let's start with Andrew. Uh, I don't have a real answer for this, uh, but I'm just going to go off the future ammo pun and the Star Trek theme that this is going to be Fisherman's Wharf. <laughs> oh, right. that's, a do- that's a double pun, that's great. Thank you. Uh, I stole it from, definitely stole it from Futurama. Uh, Chaz, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's wrong, but I, I seem to remember it's something along these lines that I put SeaWorld. Okay, and John? I went right into the bay. I said Alcatraz. Okay, well, no points for this one. Uh, if you guys ever get a chance to visit, this is a pretty slick facility. Although when I went, I was about uh, 19 years old, and I was very sad that there were no humpback whales there. This is actually the Monterey Bay Aquarium in Monterey. So, okay, moving on to question number five. Lieutenant Malcolm Reed was allergic to what tropical fruit? Locked in. Okay. Was Locked quick- in. That leaves John, so feel free locked to... Locked in. Oh, locked in. All right. Quick lock-ins there. Let's start with Andrew. Uh, uh, this was a terrible episode, so I'm a little ashamed to remember it, but he was allergic to pineapple. All right. And Chaz? 
It's his favorite food, pineapple. And John? Pineapple is my answer. All right. Points all around. That's our first uh, social, or if we have one of those. Yeah. <laughs> everybody got it. It is pineapples. Good job, everybody. Awesome. Let's go to uh, Jeff for a quick score update. Yep. So uh, currently what we are looking at here is Andrew has the lead with three correct and Chaz and John with one apiece. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Crushing it. A lot of questions to go, so a lot of ground to to, uh, make up here for everyone. Okay, here we go. Question number six. What actor guest starred on Star Trek Discovery as the brigand Harry Mudd? He is best known as a series regular on the American version of The Office. Ah, oh, you're giving way too much info here. I'm locking in. <laughs> locking in. Well, you know, I got to give Neil and Jeff some kind of grounding, you know. All right, with everyone locked in, let's uh, start with Andrew. That's Mr. Dwight Schrute himself, Rain Wilson. And Chaz? I knew it was Dwight Schrute, but I, I did not know the name of the actor for like me. I think I was too distracted by the fact that he didn't have that mustache. <laughs> <laughs> and John. I, I was in the exact same boat. Like, I knew it was Dwight, but I couldn't think of his name. So I just went with Steve Carell and hoped I just, you know, blow cops my way to a right answer. <laughs> you know what? I would, I would pay money to see Steve Carell as Harry Mudd. That would be pretty amazing, actually. But uh, Andrew's got it right. This is... Uh, Rain Wilson is the correct answer for that one. Okay, moving on to question seven. The Enterprise E was portrayed to have what type of upgraded torpedo in its arsenal? All right, that'll lock everybody in. Let's uh, go back to Andrew. Uh, I don't remember this one for sure, but the only other upgrade over the photon torpedo that they ever talked about uh, in contemporary track was the quantum torpedo. All right, Chaz? I'm almost 100% sure they fire them off at the Borg Cube at the beginning of First Contact, and they are the Quantum Torpedoes. And John? only reason I know it is because the, one of the only moves I've seen was First Contact, uh, Quantum Torpedoes. All right, points all around. It is Quantum Torpedoes. Nice work. Okay, moving on to question number eight. 
Name the cyberneticist who legally challenged Data's status as a sentient being and would later reappear on Star Trek Picard. So it's one of my favorite episodes of all time. Probably my favorite episode, Measure of a Man. He comes on and Data's on trial. We try to figure out if Data has a soul. What is his name? I give two minutes for you and your gallant crew. Is what Khan says to Kirk when they're got the Reliant and Star Trek Two, and they're facing him down because they caught him with their pants down. Good old Ricardo Montalban. Mm-hmm. Not to showboat, but I'm pretty sure that was Christopher Lloyd in Star Trek Three. Oh, oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Khan only gives him sixty seconds. Sixty seconds. Right. Sixty seconds. Sixty seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got it. I've got it. All right. Great with everybody locked in. Uh, let's start with Chaz. So that that intrepid scientist is, is Dr. Maddox. All right, Andrew. That would be the uh, porn star-ish name I've ever heard from a Star Trek character, Bruce Maddox. <laughs> and John. I just hope Dwight appears in this one too, Rain Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, this was Bruce Maddox. Good job, guys. That's uh, yeah, that's a, that was a deep cut. When they showed him on Picard, I was like, oh wow, really? We're going that far deep? Okay. They got a different actor to play him, but that was okay. All right. Moving on to a little discovery history for uh, question number nine. How many Klingon great houses existed at the time of the Battle of the Binary Stars? Locked and, in. And you can give me uh, – th- th- we'll, ha- we'll have a, a, a region of plus or minus two on this one. So if you, give me, if you get within two, you get credit. All right. That's everyone. Let's, uh, let's start with John this time. Um, get some I don't know, but uh, using my uh, game theory with a plus or minus of two, I went with twelve. All right, Chaz. I was pretty sure there are twenty-four great houses. And Andrew, I was also pretty sure there were twenty-four great houses. Oh, good. <laughs> and you two are correct. It is twenty-four. Twenty-four great houses at the time of the Battle of Binary Stars. Yeah. Yep. Moving on to question number 10. What classic novel does Captain Spock give as a birthday gift to Admiral Kirk just before his inspection of the Enterprise? Locked in. Okay, let's, uh, with everyone locked in, let's start with Andrew. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. You trying to tell me something, Spock? It was Tale of Two Cities. Oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, Chaz, what's your uh, answer then? Uh, Yeah, I was 100% certain that Dr. McCoy gave him a pair of reading glasses. But I wasn't 100% sure if it was A Tale of Two Cities or Moby Dick, and I went with A Tale of Two Cities. And John. That, that, that quote went right through my head and just left into the Gamma Quadrant. <laughs> so I just said to kill a mockingbird. <laughs> yeah, Moby Dick probably would have been more appropriate for Captain Picard. Uh, Captain Kirk got A Tale of Two Cities as a birthday gift. Nice job. It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. Wait, that's the wrong, was it wrong show. I'm sorry. <laughs> Glad it wasn't Moby Dick because I live in New Bedford. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, well, uh, after 10 questions, it uh, looks like Andrew has eight points. Uh, Chaz has gained a little bit of ground on John with five points, and John is at two points. So uh, still some ground to, to get some, some points here before the end of the game. Remember, we've got that wild card spot, so don't give up. That's right. Okay. 
Moving on to question 11. Speaking of Captain Picard, the Picard maneuver was an improvised gambit first used against a ship of what alien race? All right. Everyone is locked in. Uh, just to change things up a little bit, let's start with John. I was trying to think of it. Like I was, I was digging and digging and digging. Like Next Gen is my jam, but it's like I, I was trying to think, think, think what race it would be. Um, I feel like Picard had more, you know, issue with the Romulan. So that was my guess, the Romulan. All right. Uh, let's go to Chaz. So I'm pretty sure, and I hope I haven't remembered the wrong maneuver, uh, that this was the move he performed on an unknown alien aboard the Stargazer, which what later turned out to be the Ferengis. And Andrew. It is the Ferengi, and not just his uniform that he tugged down all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the Ferengi were originally thought they were going to be the uh, the big bad villains of Next Generation, and then they actually saw them on screen and said, yeah, they're more comic relief. So, uh, yeah, Ferengi is what we're going for. All right, moving on to question number 12. A little bit of uh, love to complete the list. Fill in the blank of this list of enterprising captains. Here's your list. Pike. Kirk. Harriman. Blank and Picard. So one more time, your list is Pike, Kirk, Harriman, Blank, and Picard. Don't know. I'm going to lock in with a tap, basically. Okay. Let's start with Chaz on this one. So I really, I have, I have no idea. I'm afraid I had to tap. I'm pretty sure it's the captain of the Enterprise C, but I, I could not come up with that name. All right. Uh, let's go to John. Yeah, I didn't have anything too. I was gonna like I was trying so hard to think of like anybody, but like I almost went with the um captain of who Picard talked about before, the captain of the Bozeman, but instead I just went with uh another captain. I I put Archer. All right, and Andrew. Uh the, the captain I think you want in the list is Captain Rachel Garrett, who was the captain of the Enterprise C, but would you also accept Shooter McGavin for his little stint at the end of that episode? Huh. Um no, because he hadn't actually been promoted to the rank of captain. So, well, I, well I, fair enough. <laughs> no, uh, Castillo, Lieutenant Castillo, I would not accept as a correct answer. But yes, Pike was captain of the first Enterprise. Kirk was captain of the Enterprise A. Uh, Harriman was captain of the Enterprise B. Picard was the captain of the Enterprises D and E. And the captain of the Enterprise C is Rachel Garrett, as seen in the episode Yesterday's Enterprise, one of the best. Harriman is the one that's in the beginning of Generations, correct? He is, played by Alan Ruck. Yeah. 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 Thank you, that's my By Cameron, yeah. Yep. Now, does his uh, ship look like a Ferrari that he beat the crap out of? Kind of. It's an Excelsior Excelsior with a really ugly thing on the bottom of it. So, I mean, it's kind of a Ferrari-looking thing. I mean, they they said they designed the Excelsior class to look like a Japanese version of the Enterprise, whatever that means. You know, I mean, anyway... All right, moving on to question number 13. In the Deep Space Nine episode, Change of Heart, Bashir nearly defeats Quark in a game of Tongo with his full consortium. Quark, however, bests him with what unbeatable hand? I'm close, but I'm not going to delay it. Uh, I'll lock in. All right, uh, let's start with Andrew. The first word is total. I don't remember the second word, so I'm just going to say total conglomerate. All right, and Chaz? 
I'm feeling a little better about my answer now. I, I was pretty sure the second word was monopoly, so I put total monopoly. Okay, and John? I'm showing my Star Trek prowess here, gentlemen. I put the, the old Ferengi move sleight of hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Up until this point in Deep Space Nine, whenever they had depicted Tongo, whoever had the full consortium, everybody said, oh, okay, they win. But this was the first time we heard of a hand that actually beat a full consortium, and it was a total monopoly. Nice job. Nice ball. Yeah, good job. All right. A little bit of a crossover question here for this one. Number 14, what veteran actor reprised his Star Trek First Contact role as a cameo in the pilot episode of Enterprise? Was there a card game, Matt, um, in Star Trek? Is that maybe what you were referring to? Something with Fizz in the name? Fizzbin? Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, locked in. He, Kirk invented it, but it, I mean, it wasn't really a game. I mean, who, who knows if it was really a game or not, but Kirk just kind of, it was one of these bluff ideas that he kind of made up as he went along to distract the guards. And then Spock came around with the nerve pinch. Ah, you need a good nerve pinch just in case a card game goes awry. Um, <laughs> everyone is, uh, is locked in. Let's start with Andrew. Uh, be Zephram Cochran himself, James Cromwell. And Chaz. Couldn't think of the first name, but I have Cromwell. And John. Um, I put Michael Dorn. I'm doing awesome, guys. Crushing. <laughs> uh, yeah, in this case, Cromwell's going to be good enough. James Cromwell as Ephraim Cochran. Yep, he actually gave part of the dedication ceremony send-off for the uh, Enterprise NX-01. It was, uh, it was actually pretty neat of him to do. He, he came in and did that kind of just on an off day. So, yeah, it was a, it was a good get for the producers of Enterprise. All right. We are here at the end of game number one, gentlemen, and here's your question. What name did Will Riker's transporter duplicate choose to distinguish himself from himself? Locked in. Locked in. I'm locked the bleep in. <laughs> uh, well, let's uh, let's start with Chaz on this final question. Uh, he went with his middle name and is later seen in DS9, Thomas Riker. All right. And Andrew? His name is my name, too. It's Thomas. And John? I have Thomas. All right. Thank God. Yeah, that's points all around. It is indeed Thomas Riker. Nice job. All right. I believe that uh, brings us to the end of the first game of uh, the Star Trek tournament. I'm going to throw it to Jeff for final scores here. Yep. So to uh, end game one, we have John with three, Chaz with nine, and Andrew with 12 out of 15 correct. Great job, everyone. Really, really Thank great job. Nine's a pretty decent score. I wouldn't be surprised if that made it awesome. in as, the, as, the, as the wild card. Nine may play. Uh, well, you know what? Let's uh, let's start with John. Uh, I know, John, you said you were you were given some answers that uh, you weren't sure were right or, or some fun ones, but <laughs> we, we had a ton of fun having you here on the show, getting to meet you face-to-face. Uh, any last words from you? Uh, anyone you'd like to say hello to? Um, I'll start by saying uh, I forgot to mention this in uh the earlier part of this episode, um, the one I would want to hang out with would have been Guinan, because I bet she's got stories for eons. But now looking at my score, I would probably rather be locked in quarantine with Q, so I could be more omniscient and figure out these damn answers. <laughs> um, I'll say, I'll say uh, hello to my wife, my kids. Um, thank you guys. Like you know, it's like just a quick aside. Like you guys showed so much support when it mattered. I really appreciate it. it re- really really meant a lot and means a lot just seeing those is it's always so many bad things going on i had such 
an awesome blast doing this. Like, seriously, scores notwithstanding. It was so amazing. I hope I hope I get to come back on for another thing and redeem myself a lot better than this. <laughs> you guys are awesome, man. Well, we think you're Thank awesome. You. That means a lot. Yeah, it, it really does. It does mean a lot. And uh, you're welcome back anytime. And, and we'll have to get you on uh, another episode uh, as competitor host. We appreciate you and uh, and your, your support. Uh, Chaz, Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Chaz, uh, any last words from you? Well, wild, wild card or no, I will say this is fun as always. It is always a pleasure to talk to you guys and hang around with you guys. And uh, for those of you keeping track at home, there are over four weeks, if you do nothing but watch Star Trek, four weeks of Star Trek to watch and enjoy. So uh, enjoy the not eating and the not sleeping because you'll be busy for a while. <laughs> Great. Now, now that that's exactly what's going to be on our schedule now. I think, uh, Andrew, you Crap, are. He, scra- he scrapped one of my tiebreaker questions for later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all right. No one else is going to know except Andrew might. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrew, you are moving on to the final uh, with the, your twelve points. Um, any last words uh, from you before we hear from you again pretty soon? Uh, well, uh, I'll say this for later as well. But thanks, John. Thanks, Chaz. It's been a blast. Hopefully, I'll get to see one or both of you in, in an hour or so. Uh, Matt, thanks a lot for putting this together. Jeff, uh, Neil, thanks a lot for hosting. It's been a blast. I'm always down to geek out with y'all. Uh, and uh, I can look forward to continuing to do so. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, a very big thank you uh, for week one here to Matt uh, for providing these questions. We appreciate it. Uh, they were all really, really great. Uh, and we're going to see all of you back in one week. We'll see you next week. It'll be uh, Jeff and myself uh, along with Matt with three new competitors. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today's episode, which was brought to you by all of our wonderful uh, Patreon supporters who we could not do this show without. So thank you to all of you out there who are supporting our show. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you next week on Game 2 of Star Trek Trivia uh, for Jeff, uh, Matt, John, Chaz, and Andrew. My name is Neil, and that was Triviality. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.